Today is August 18th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bigani of the Confederacy. These lands are now on Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, Wesley Chiniki Bearspaw Nations, and the Sutina Nation. Uh, we acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. Hoki, Meko Chase, Chase Tukom Aki, or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn the proper pronunciation. I honor the fact that I'm on your land. My name is Michelle Robinson. I was born uh, Michelle Elliott, which is a very English name, which has afforded me great privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am the daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act imposed status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people, in Treaty 11. I am a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Clinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are a critical way of creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest. And I was uh, lucky to hear Harlan Pruden again talk about how, you know, it's like coming into somebody else's home and not acknowledging that uh, they welcomed you as a guest. So that's that's always the hope. Any mistakes or misinterpretations are on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I just share what I know as I walk down my red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talk about today and want to talk... Call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free and open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And non-Indigenous, there are distress lines in your area as well. Uh, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors for already showing your support to the show. Um, and today's kind of a really big day because uh, we did our very first transfer to somebody else, which I'll get to in a minute. So I'll just say if you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Um, I have to give a shout out to my super loyal donors. Uh, Alexandra, Beatrice, Celine, Diana, Heather, Jocelyn, Judy, Kenna, Kimberly, Leah, Marce, uh, Mar Marcia? Why am I s struggling on that one? <laughs> uh, Natalie, Nathan, Phyllis, Rebecca, so the Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica, Marisa. I think it might be Marisa. Anyway, uh, let's get started. So I want to remind everybody that uh, Justice for Joey English, that walk is going to be from Bigani, uh, to uh, Calgary starting on October 2nd, uh, October 4th, of course, being the annual Sisters in Spirit March for all family members nationally. So if you're not in Calgary, please look that up for your area and please join the families that have lost their 
uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, or two-spirit, and um, and just honor them. Uh, so I wanted to get, I'm, I'm excited because this is the first time we've ever done this. So the Alberta Indigenous Games are happening in Alberta, in Edmonton. And um, I was talking to Samantha, the founder of the Ganai Basketball Association. And for those of you who listen regularly would know that we interviewed Truman Soup about the uh, issue that had happened here in Calgary with the basketball referees um, discriminating against the Indigenous youth from Ghanai Nation over what sounded like a trivial matter. And um, so that happened. And, you know, what I just said on air, well, anybody who's willing to donate uh, to Native Calgarian will give that month uh, donations to them. So it worked out to be about $200 Canadian. And um, so we sent that over as their entry fee for the Alberta Indigenous Games. I don't, I hope that it has all worked out, but we'll update you to let you know if it hasn't. And um, we'll go from there. So our last uh, episode talked on the podcast about Miranda Jimmy and our, our trip to the Royal Alberta Museum. And one of my loyal listeners actually had sent out, who is in the arts industry, sent out uh, kind of a call out to all the folks in the arts industry about uh, about that. And I, I really appreciate that, number one. And number two, I just hope it was resonating with some folks. Um, we also have a video that we took. It's an 18-minute video of the Royal Alberta Museum trip that Miranda, Jimmy, and I took. So I hope you get a chance to have a look at that. Um, ah, there's so much to talk about today. So I'm just going to say, first and foremost, I, I'm thinking about Tina Fontaine's family, their community, uh, friends and family that uh, are mourning the fifth anniversary already now of her death, of her passing. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was really hard on me too. And I don't even know the community. I don't know her family. Um, it was just another indication to me five years ago um well and more so the the legal case that had happened when it happened it was just a kick in the gut but then when the legal case happened after it was so upsetting we we actually we we had a group of local activists and a couple of the men were able to access like tents and teepees and put up a camp and it was really an incredible journey because it it just was so much uh, Colton Bushy's case and then Tina Fontaine's case like there's so much racism right now here in uh, Canada that we just don't want to address and it just made it worse and then people that I considered you know friends said horrifically racist things about something they didn't understand and because they don't understand the oppression dynamic thought it was perfectly acceptable to say their shitty opinions so um so it actually changed a lot of my relationships. It actually changed the way I looked at a lot of Canadians. And uh, it really um, put me more into a world where, you know, I, I'm an Indigenous woman. My daughter is an Indigenous girl. And I can't trust this world. And I most certainly can't trust Canada. And I most certainly can't trust the justice system to care about her. So I just, yeah, it, it changed me 100%. Um, the irony being, of course... Tina Fontaine's case, unfortunately, is one of thousands of others. But there was just something different about how this one hit the media and how the media and the, and the comments just perpetuated the ugliest racism um, that I could see. Anyway, I wanted uh, Tina's family and the communities to know that we're th I'm thinking of you and that um, 
how devastating that that was for all of us. And I, I, um, I'll never, it, it motivates me obviously to keep working because I want my, my daughter, my nieces, any, um, you know, transgender nieces, cousins, I have to be safe in this world. And I know it's not, I know Canada has not shifted enough in that society to make it safe. So, um, anyway, uh, something that I found incredibly interesting that happened, um, on the 15th, Carolyn Bennett tweeted out that our government is eliminating all remaining sex-based inequalities from, or inequities, sorry, from the Indian Act registration provisions going back to its inception 150 years ago. Thankful to all the inspiring advocates who brought us to that point. And then she gave um, a link, which of course now is not working anymore, but it basically talked about how... Um, they were going to quit discriminating against women. So we're going to obviously have to test that. I have not technically applied for my daughter's status because I know um, when I spoke to Indian Affairs when she was first born, they were just very, you know, much dicks about it and said, well, you're a Section 31, so no, your kid can't unless you have a baby with a status Indian, which is bullshit, um, but whatever. It is what it is. So then the evolution of that, there there was a change in, in the legislation, and it was William Sinclair who told me, no, you have to apply and uh, and go through the process, which I'm like, all right. But I just kind of sat on it. So I don't know, as of the 15th of August, I, I promise I am going to submit that application and see what happens and then let everybody know how that works. So... Yeah, we'll see how true it is, because I don't know. Um, I also want to acknowledge yesterday was um, a community event that uh, Changing the Faces of Addiction put on to honor uh, those who have died of um, opioid crisis, of overdose in general, actually. It's like overdose day. Um, so, yeah, that was some exciting stuff that had happened. But So, in the last 24 hours, I've had some serious issues on my social media. So for those who do not know what phishing is, uh, phishing with a PH instead of an F is like a kind of like an algorithm in the computer software, like a worm that I'm somehow now been targeted. So what's happening is I am getting like I've gotten over 500 friend requests for no apparent reason. And the demographics are really interesting. They're either indigenous men, older indigenous men, older um well, not even older, but uh, men from India and men from Africa. And it's been really like I, at first I didn't know how to handle it. So then I just started to promote my uh, native Calgarian Facebook page to see if they would, you know, liken that. But it, it's not. In fact, I'm having um, like, for example, I had this uh, one fellow and he messaged me right away. And so I gave him my link, my my copy and paste that says, you know, thank you for the friend request. You're welcome to follow. And I encourage to listen and follow to Native Calgarian. And then I give a link and it says, well, I will definitely do that after I eat breakfast, my beautiful Indigenous sister, which I replied, Indigenous women are already objectified. So unless you know one well, which you don't with me, do not objectify me, my Indigenous sisters, uh, aunties, grandmas, nieces, daughters, and two spirit. He goes, well, I've been raised to believe that women are sacred and I would never do that to any of my, my, and then he spells indigenous wrong, women. 
You just called me beautiful, but you don't know me. I gave you a boundary. I call all my indigenous sisters beautiful. Spelt wrong, by the way. Um, that's not okay. Continues to um, objectification. He goes, well, if I've offended you in any way, you are more than welcome to block me. And I said, all the best then. I thought you'd respect me enough to listen. And of course I blocked him because he basically told me to. So um, that's the kind of, sh like, mostly I'm just getting like highs, hellos. And so what I do is, you know, give them my link, unfriend them. And then if they persist, block them. Because, um, you know, they obviously don't know me. I don't know them. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> you don't approach people that way, right? So th that's kind of the thing that I've been dealing with. And I'm kind of narrowed down to two or three women that just seems like whoever is on their friends list is trying to friend everybody else. So there's some kind of fish in some of these profiles here. And it's just been incredible. Like, I'm not kidding, 500 people at least have tried to friend me. And um, like, yeah, I don't mind if you're an indigenous person and you want to indigenous content. Sure. Um, you know, and I'll have a look at their profile if it says single and they don't share a single political post or anything culturally of significance. Of course, I'm not going to friend them. Um, so it's been really interesting going down this road. And, you know, like my husband's just like, just unfriend them all. And I could. But I know we are trying to, you know, build um, build more listeners and, uh, you know, if they're legitimately caring, then they'll they'll click. But if they don't, then they won't. So anyway, anyway, that's been kind of a, I don't know, I'm just going to say pain in the ass. So it's really taken up a lot of my time, which I'm sure is the whole freaking point of it, which sucks. So we'll see how long that la lasts. And I'll let you know in the next episode how the fishing is going. And hopefully it's it'll stop. But it's just pathetic because, you know, like I talked to my husband, he has um, many podcasts that he produces and he works with other groups on that are all with men and they don't ever have this issue at all. So it's incredibly frustrating for me because I'm like, I know why they're targeting me. It was some fucking men's group somewhere that's like, oh, you know, here's an indigenous woman thinking she's all that. She's probably just lonely. Maybe I can get my citizenship, blah, 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 blah my bull crap. So yeah, I was, I'm just annoyed with it. And I know that this is an issue that men don't deal with, and especially public men. And uh, it's a great example. And I, I'm sure there are many, um, you know, women of color, um, indigenous, um, well, East Indian, all sorts of folks out there who are women of color or transgender or uh, two spirit that deal with this. Because that's how it works. And I just shared a really great article on how um, Facebook, when women talk about racism or sexism and are, and are targeted, especially activists, how they're the ones that Facebook will actually block or give a suspension to. And um, which is so pathetic, right? Because our voices are the most marginalized. They don't go against the people, the white supremacists or whatever that are going after them. No, no, no. They go after the women of color, um, the women, in, the indigenous women. This happens so frequently. Just pisses me off. But, you know, obviously, if I'm going to have a podcast, I want to connect with folks who are on Facebook, because that's more my demographic. So I'm sure more people who listen to me that age demographic. Anyway, anyway, um, 
yeah, so I just wanted to give an update on that and you'll probably hear about it uh, next week as well. So yeah, so we started school and that's been really hard. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Calgary usually has far nicer summers and we most certainly did not have a nice summer. It's uh, just been raining a lot and thunderstorms. So there's actually been, it's been overcast enough that um, Lake Sokomi, Sylvan Lake, they didn't even warm up. And it sucks because, you know, we this is the very first summer I didn't go to Lake Sokomi, uh, Sylvan Lake, or the Forest Lawn Outdoor Pool. And we go there, like, that's almost where we, where we hang our hat all summer. But not this summer. So, and this is the first year that we've done this. Oh, I hate calling it modified school schedule. It's um, it's frustrating because here in my neighborhood is when they start Global Fest. And um, so she goes back to school the same day they start Global Fest. So it was a really overwhelming day. And instead of us being able to sleep, of course, all we hear are fireworks. And it just sucked. And she's upset because normally we have passes to go every year. And because it's a school night, she couldn't go. So needless to say, I'm not going to make that mistake again. And Thursday, thanks to the Boys and Girls Club, she's going to go see um, Global Fest. But ugh, it's just so frustrating. So I don't care how many studies say it's really good for the kids to not have two months off. Yes, it is. Too, like, okay, sure. Maybe they don't read as well. Or maybe they don't ret retain their memory as well. But their spirit is happy. And you can't put a price on that. And and that is why I will never agree to this modified school schedule ever. Um, you know, if, if you've seen a, to have a child go into school and have them say, I hate school, I want to burn it down. I don't want to have anything to do with school because it starts early. You like whoever you are in school board, board land, listen to me. I'm telling you. You really made a grave mistake with the schooling. We have to try to keep our kids in school under the best of circumstances. Give them two freaking months off. Because I know we're not doing anything but freezing our butts off and being bored in February for that ridiculous break that you're going to be giving us. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Just wanted to complain about that. Um, another thing happening this weekend. I wasn't even supposed to be doing this podcast. I was supposed to be at Paul Band. I was really super excited for um, my friend. She was going to have a special. So I'm not even supposed to be here. So um, something else I'm not at, obviously, because I'm talking right now, is uh, Batosh. And Batosh is where right now the last installation of Walking With Our Sisters is happening. Uh, Christy Belcourt, this was a, a dream she had, a vision. And um, uh, Maria Campbell lives still there and basically the national walking with our sisters group executive they're all there and they invited all of the all of the people that were involved with walking with our sisters nationally to go there and talk about how they're going to finish this like if they're going to to burn the vamps if they're going to burn the all, everything that was related to it cuz you have to understand this was all ceremony so it was like a bundle, a truck bundle, <laughs> like truck full of bundle. And um, and and they're trying to figure out what to do with the last bit. So I've definitely been thinking about them and praying for them. And, you know, I, I'm a big believer. Sometimes you're meant to be at places and sometimes you're not. Um, obviously, I wasn't meant to be a Paul band. And obviously, I wasn't meant to be a Batosh this weekend. So as sad as I am to not be there and wishing I was there, 
the same time, like yesterday I was at um, the library and, and Timmy's and, and the museum with my friend Spirit. And we talked all about the politics of, you know, um, Two-Spirit and, and Pride and, you know, trying to understand why anybody would accuse us of being anti-black or anti-trans and things that we're always unpacking. But the big thing that I was talking to him about, obviously, was trauma. And uh, he's he's actually written theses on, on loss and such. And he talked about that on one of my podcasts. So I'm really just trying to encourage you to listen to the podcast, which he talked about that. Because, um, you know, it was just such a great reminder to to me and to, to him about some of the great thing work that he's been done doing in his theses and being done in universities in general. And then, um, you know, I kind of talked to him a bit about the uh, Mending Broken Hearts, White Society and the history there and how Harlan Pruden, um, he was a part of the funding he understood. Like, I really felt validated when I talked to Harlan about it. So um, I know uh, some of the nation's uh, right around Calgary here are actually doing this work right now. Uh, the thing is, is that, um, you know, we all approach it very differently. And I know for me, working with families of missing and murdered, um, I, I'm just hoping it will help a little um, because not everybody can travel out to one location. And by the way, I just found out, they just started doing this downtown. Um, downtown at the Friendship Centre, uh, the center where the source is, and a lot of people know that right by the Bow Valley Old Library Sea um, Train uh, drop-off. Right there on Mondays at 11, they actually have support for Indigenous families that have, have lost somebody through overdose. So if you're listening right now and you've lost family through overdose, there is a support network that they're building up in downtown Calgary, and that's every Monday at 11. And for those of you who can't do Mondays at 11, maybe just let them know so that that way they know, oh, this, you know, we can go bigger than just this one time and location. And um, even for me, I want to run the Mending Our Broken Hearts program, but not in conflict with somebody else's schedule. So that's where I'm coming from with that. That's for sure. Um, now, there's a story here that is so infuriating to me. Um, it should be to everybody. I hope it is. Um, Siksika Nation experienced a really tragic, tragic loss. And for those who didn't hear about it, I believe this should be national news. The fact it isn't is disgusting. It just shows the racism in Canada. But um, there was uh, uh, a young Indigenous boy, uh, well, man, I should say, um, so a uh, 24-year-old man who was um, execution-style shot um, here just on the highway near Strathmore. And, um, you know, it was it's absolutely devastating to our communities because obviously this is one, this was this, this, this child here who, who was murdered execution-style. He... Um, he was a promising hockey player. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> on March 17th, he was killed on a highway near Strathmore. And he was a promising hockey player. And the reason why it's hurting me is because it's right where I live. It's just a, away from, just down the highway from where I live. <laughs> and um, 
And I know he was killed just because he's an indigenous young man. So anyway, um, the two there there were two white boys that were um, charged with first degree murder in his death, and um, the family had to speak out here on the fifteenth. Uh, Melanie, a young man, is frustrated and is in disbelief after one of the men charged in connection with her son's murder is out on bail. Christian, a young man, was a promising young hockey player and respected role model in the Indigenous community. The 24-year-old was shot and killed on March 17th on a rural highway near Strathmore. Two brothers, Cody and, and Brandon Giffen, have been charged with first-degree murder in his death. Cody has been released from custody and is now under 24-hour house arrest. Global has learned. <laughs> These people were took a really good person away from me and my family and my siblings from our community, Melody said. Siksika First Nation Counselor Reuben Breaker, Buck Breaker for all of us who know him, uh, said Thursday that the community is upset that one of the accused is out on bail. We are shocked that somebody charged with first-degree murder was granted bail and was able to walk away from the courthouse, Breaker said. To me, that's very disappointing in the justice system. Christian's grieving family is still struggling with the way a young man was taken from them. I raised my kids to be proud of who they are and where they come from, and you never expect your children to go before you, Melody said. He's still my boy, and I will always be mom and there for him and everything I can do to let everybody know he's a very good person, Melody said. Cody Giffen was released on a number of conditions. His brother, Brandon, remains in custody. <laughs> I don't understand how that's not national news. You know, we're talking about white supremacy and the rise of that. Please explain to me how this isn't related to that. I can't tell you how frustrated I am. I know a lot of you are like, well, I don't know what to do. I feel so helpless. So for those of you who feel that way, I mean, I, I've said it a million times on this show, and I'll say it again at the end of it. Um, the Ralph report was done for this area. You know, the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission has calls to action for justice. The Royal Commission on Aboriginal People had a ton of recommendations that were never implemented. And now we have... Um, justice calls to actions to implement. The United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People have articles to implement, and none of this work is being done because our so-called so allies and so-called understanding folks are not pushing it. Politicians will do exactly what you tell them to to get re-elected. And I know after running in two elections where Indigenous issues are not on anyone's radar... How frustrating it is when I talk about these reports, and here in Calgary we have the White Goose Flying Report. <laughs> I don't even know what these reports are. So if you're out there and you consider yourself an ally or a Canadian that wants to do... Because this is a Canadian problem. This isn't just an Indigenous issue. In fact, I would argue the opposite, that this is the founding of Canada's issue. Um, please remember, Canada was imposed on us. We did not... Uh, consent to that and then on top of that your laws were can put on us and no one wants to change the constitution nobody wants to open that up and the indian act is embedded 
So this bullshittery that I'm hearing from Jason Kenney about the economy, it, it will change depending on whether it's conservative or liberal until Canadians are strong enough to open up the Constitution in order to change the Indian Act. But whatever. I've talked about this a million times. Um, so if you follow my Facebook page, uh, page you'll <laughs> see some really cute little things. Um, I mean, funny, infuriating. A lot of the links I talk about, all of that is in here. And, um, you know, funny memes. I mean, I don't love memes, but a lot of people, that's all they have time for, right? Anyway, one of the cute things that I, I shared was um, very obviously someone, a Denny from up north, had uh, taken the time to make a moose hide cover that was all beaded for their for their dog. And as cute as it is, it's actually traditional for a lot of the folks who don't know. This is how a lot of the dogs were covered. And uh, so it makes me actually really happy to see that kind of being redone again. And um, as ridiculous as it is, I'm sure we're going to see more and more of it. Um, one of my favorite things that I shared actually came out of the U.S., which was really weird. It's over a year old. It uh, was from September of last year. But um, basically what had happened was the teachers had decided to go into the women's or the girls' washroom and paint all of the the stalls with like a dark black so that, you know, maybe it's even shock. I don't know. But it says, uh, and then they, they painted really positive messages around it. Like, you know, you're amazing and strong. Your mistakes don't define you. Um, scattered kindness and just really pretty, like messaging, writing and graphics to go with it. And I thought, oh, my God, as folks are getting ready for the new school year, even for me, like I, I try to encourage my daughter um, with positive messages and, and such. So um, to try to, one, break this cycle of intergenerational trauma, but also because, it, you know, our girls are inundated with such negative messaging. Um, well, and not just our girls. I mean, even boys, even they're saying straight cis men. And I was having this conversation with Spirit that. You know, um, even they are bec becoming so inundated with body image issues that they themselves are starting to have severe body uh, image issues. So, you know, I just think it's really, really important we lift each other up and, and talk about that in general. Um, and I wanted to, uh, you know, point point you back to my page because um, so Dan, Dan um, Koises from the White Bison Elder, he Every single day he posts um, uh, elders meditation of the day. So it's supposed to be from an elder and, and there's a teaching to it. I'm not going to lie. Actually, a lot of them I don't identify with at all. But I did, I did identify with this one. This one made me happy. And so there are many people who could claim and learn from their Indian ancestries. But because of fear from their parents and grandparents, uh, because of the past and present and present prejudice against Indian people, that part of their heritage is clouded or denied. Whew, that hit me hard. Um, and, and it's said by Joseph Burjak, uh, Banaki. And then uh, it says, there are many injustices done to Native people. Sometimes I wonder why I'm connected to the past injustices. Why am I so angry about the past? The elders say our ancestors are alive within each of us. Therefore, I may experience anger and resentment inside of me because of the injustices done to them. The way I get rid of those past feelings is to forgive. It may be necessary, necessary to learn to forgive the unforgivable. 
Uh, Great Spirit, teach me the path of forgiveness. Teach me the courage to forgive. Teach me to let go. Uh, teach me to give, a, uh, give me a forgiving heart. And these meditations are um, in a book called Meditations with Native American Elders. Um, so you have to remember that um, this is a U.S.-based um, book. So they have more uh, American language when it comes to Indigenous issues I w- are very different than Canadian, right? And so that's why you'll see the word Indian. I mean, I was at the museum yesterday. They still haven't, like, you know, indigenized at all. So you see Indian everywhere instead of, like, Indigenous or Siksika Nation or Native American. Like, that's kind of for, um, more of the American way of talking about these. So some of the language is, like, a little hard. But the message in this one was one of the very few that I really, really um, gravitated to. So... It's um, And the reason for that is this, with the Mending Broken Hearts program, is that the whole concept of it is healing from unresolved grief and unresolved uh, relationships. And, you know, for, for me, that will always be the case because, you know, as much as I was adopted into the Palace family, I know who my great-grandfather or my grandfather actually is. And because of that, I, like that's the unforgivable part like to learn to forgive the unforgivable yeah that that is something that I just I'm struggling with and that was part of the reason why I became a facilitator for this program was that I know my healing will always be ongoing always always I even made a joke at the course I was like I'm healed but I'm clearly not healed nobody is ever healed <laughs> <laughs> but the the tools, the coping tools is what matters to me. And, you know, I've, I've done counseling through the white man's world and I need to, of course, try some other things that really resonate with who I am. Um, so another thing that had happened here in Calgary, um, we had talked about it in the previous podcast was that they had, um, they, okay, let's say, let's say this properly here in Calgary, we had, um, a wonderful, a private company decide that they were going to, for the next 10 years, paint the pride flag and the trans flag in downtown Calgary. And it got approval. And we did an, you know, an opening and I did a smudge and I'm going to have to go down there and do another smudge because, as to be expected, somebody decided that it was their job to uh, paint over it lost in lust. So, our uh, friends in the community went on down there right away and, um, you know, took some pictures and, you know, how you can on um, digitally write over it. They put love and found. And I thought that was beautiful. Um, for those who've been following, I went down to Calgary Queer Arts and they have a whole bunch of like queer DVDs that are available that straight people like me are morons and are like, oh, you, you mean they make these? So I went down there and I grabbed like some 101s to introduce to more so my daughter. But as it turned out, they were more for me because she's like way beyond me. Like, <laughs> let's be real. So I watched uh, Kevin Klein's In and Out with Tom Selleck. God, you know, it's funny because it's so old, but it's still so damn funny. Anyway, really loved that one, but not nearly as much as, but I'm a cheerleader. Honestly, it's so great. It makes so much fun of these conversion therapy practices. I just, I watched it twice now. I watched it once with my daughter. And then last night I watched it again with my husband and my daughter. It was so funny. 
Because honestly, I feel like that that girl in there at times, not the lesbian thoughts, but the, what do you mean there's lesbians? Like when it's so painfully obvious. <laughs> you know, I'm that person. My gaydar sometimes is so off, it's not even funny. Anyway, it was really funny to watch a second time. I highly recommend it. And And somebody had actually said, oh my God, where did you find that? So if you're in the Calgary area... You can get a membership with um, Calgary Queer Arts Society, and it's like 10 bucks, and you can rent those um, types of movies so that that way you have exposure to things. And it was funny because I went down there a long time ago. I watched this like Matthew Broderick movie about New York, which I later found out was like a whitewashed version of um, Stonewall. But regardless, I I didn't really know Stonewall at the time I had watched it. So I know for me, it was really impactful to watch. So I really went down for that one. But no, 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 no. Thankfully, my good friends over at Calgary Queer Arts, mainly James, was like, mm, so you need to watch Rant and you need to watch this. And and he was right. That's what exactly what we needed to watch. So we watched Rant and I um I cried a lot through it because I just remember that time. When um, Princess Diana even touching somebody with AIDS was a was a big deal, and um, you know when you grow up in in that era of knowing how bad it was, and me as a straight cis woman completely unaffected of um, you know being being touched by that, but ashamed ashamed that that's our past, of course, and proud of the community. Um, specifically the lgbtq plus community for their for what they did i really honor the rainbow elders here in calgary because i know what they lived through and um and it's its own genocide well hands down it's its own genocide and i hate that people are uncomfortable with that word but that's exactly what it was and the fact is, is that people reject uh lgbtq plus today which is um you know a huge component of our homeless population so, um, you know, I just, I don't, I don't have enough words to say how impactful that rent was. So I was kind of trying to talk to Sam about what it was like at that time, um, during the AIDS crisis. And it, they did just such a great job of like showing, showing that. And, um, I don't know, it's just a really great movie, really impactful. Of course, when one of the, one of the main group there pass away and, yeah, I I highly recommend if you can watch it, do it. I I just thought it was a stupid musical about New York rent. Nope, it's all about the AIDS crisis. So please watch it. Um, worth watching. And and I think the reason why I like it is because I just relate to it. I know how many people with addictions that are just casted away that are not considered people or dehumanized. And this is such a good movie at humanizing people. So. Yeah, really highly recommend them. Can't thank Calgary Queer Arts enough for lending me these movies so that I could, one, introduce them to my family, but also, um, you know, enjoy them myself in, in many cases the very first time and grateful for that education and grateful for, for that help. So, dear straight cis people, there is help for you too, because if they can help me, they can help you, I promise. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, and a, a huge, huge shout out to, um, the paint company that continues to maintain the, uh, trans and, um, pride flag that's, 
with color, like it also has brown and black down down at uh, downtown Calgary at Stephen Avenue. So love them. Please keep it up. Very grateful for that. And um, of course, Pam Rocker and Keith Murray. So Pam Rocker of Affirming Connections and uh, Keith Murray, the um, United Minister down at the Hillhurst, went down there right away and, you know, repainted those with love and found digitally. And that, that looks fabulous. So and they are beyond fabulous. They're rock stars, as all I can say. Um, if you're in the Calgary area and you want to talk about climate change, uh, they're having conversations at the calgaryclimatehub.ca. So um, on August 29th at 6.30 till 9.30, having a conversation at the East Village Music Pavilion. I did share that. So, you know, we need to have these conversations, no question. I'm really excited about uh, having more of that conversation. So I actually gave a shout out to the University of Calgary because they did something that I thought was actually kind of positive. So the Social Work Indigenous Scholars Academy, the unique opportunity that Neeson is igniting is an innovative program called or created by the Faculty of Social Work called the Indigenous Scholars Academy. The ISA will partner with Indigenous youth who have aged out of the foster care, providing them with culturally-based supports, educational opportunities, and the personal and economic support needed to successfully pursue a social work degree. I am thrilled that Gary Neeson has chosen to support this program, which I believe will address a number of the important issues for the social work profession for the the university and for all Albertans, says Dr. Jackie Sippard, Dean of the Faculty of Social Work, it's really a first for Canada. The ISA will be led by uh, Sipper, along with Indigenous elders and community leaders. So yeah, I think that's, I actually said this can prevent MMIWG2. And it can, because I know that it's a pipeline system. And a lot of uh, folks that are basically being sexually molested in the foster care system uh, run away from it and then end up dead. And we, I mean, this has been said repeatedly and report after report after report on foster care on um, indigenous uh, reports as well as now the national inquiry into missing and murdered indigenous women and girls so yep this this is like you know some structural change that needed to happen and i so very rarely see it so that's why i was super excited to see it anyway wanted to um really uh challenge other places across canada to do this as your bare minimum I mean, I could critique this and say, you know, that doesn't change enough in the government uh, government structures to really create enough change. But fuck, let's just have a look and see how it works first, because this is this can be positive. So I don't know. We'll keep monitoring that for sure. And and in the meantime, I definitely challenge others to do some uh, structural change. So yeah. Well, I'm with that. I think I'm going to talk, I'm going to finish my podcast here today by listening, by talking about one specific article that I wanted to say in my last one, but of course the time goes by so quick and before you know it, like an hour has gone by. So I'm just going to talk about this one fabulous, fabulous article. I'm going to reshare it. It's called Building Trust Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. And it, this was actually published in February 22nd of this year. So, and I'm just going to read it to you because it's so good. 
I'm a white settler. My heritage is Ukrainian and a mixture of other European ancestries. I grew up on Treaty 1 territory in Manitoba, and I am grateful to live work as an uninvited visitor on the traditional territory of the Likwingen, uh, Songhees and Esquimalt peoples of the Coast Salish Nation. I acknowledge the seen and unseen privilege that being a white settler has provided me throughout my life, privileges in healthcare system, in education, employment, and all others, uh, all other areas of a colonized society. I humbly acknowledge that I am not an expert on being an Indigenous ally. I can only share my personal experience of what I have learned. This perspective and my current knowledge will change and grow over time. Yes, that's so great. 17 years ago, I married a man of my dreams. In that beautiful ceremony, I became part of an Indigenous family. The husband is caring, um, compassionate, loving, loyal, and courageous. I feel lucky for every day I get to spend with him co-parenting, co-working, and co-living. We are part. We are proud parents of two Indigenous boys that are 13 and 9 years old. I am motivated every day to make this world a better place for our boys and the generations that follow. It is often said that before reconciliation, there must be truth. I would challenge that. Even before truth, there must be trust. Trust built with an allied relationship to hear, respect, and honor the truth. In the beginning, there are examples of the relationship between Indigenous peoples and settlers being based on mutual respect, cooperation, shared prosperity, and trust. This nation-to-nation trust was not maintained. Since 1491, there has been 500 years plus of heartbreaking examples of trust betrayed in relationships between Indigenous and non-Indigenous communities on Turtle Island. We need to build an ally relationship on trust because trust is the source of all good relationships. Implementing Bryn Brown's autonomy of trust, which both um, Spirit and I were talking about because he's a big fan of Bryn Brown, um, I want to discuss the relationship between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people in Canada. Then has this wonderful graph about, you know, trust being the center, generosity, respecting boundaries, reliability, accountability, vault, integrity, non-judgment, uh, surrounding it. And it says on the sidebar, in, uh, integrity, choosing courage over comfort, prioritizing what is right over what is fun, easy, and fast, practicing, not just professing your values. I love that. Great graphic. Bryn describes the core foundations in building and maintaining trust in relationships. Elements of this framework can apply to how non-Indigenous allies can rebuild centuries of broken trust. Bryn Brown's work, uh, or Bryn, Bryn Brown commonly catch phrases is that you share with people, you've earned the right to hear your, oh, let me say that again. You share with people who've earned the right to hear your story. Let's explore how allies earn the right by building trust, respecting boundaries, being reliable and accountable, respecting knowledge shared, integrity, and being generous with your assumptions is the autonomy of building trust. Respecting boundaries. And I talk about this a lot in, you know, the work with domestic violence and healthy and unhealthy relationships. Anyway, um, she says, respect boundaries. Boundaries are a basic human right. Undrip defines boundaries better than I ever could. 
So back to the United Nations Declaration on Rights of Indigenous People on DRIP. Indigenous peoples have the right to to the full enjoyment as a collective or as individuals of all human rights and fundamental freedoms. Indigenous peoples are free and equal to all other peoples and have the right to be free from any kind of discrimination in the exercise of their rights, in particular, that based on their Indigenous origin or identity. Indigenous individuals have the right to life, physical and mental integrity, liberty and security of person. Yeah, that we got some work to do here, don't we, Canada? Anyway, that's the end of the quote, straight from Undrip. She goes on to say, We can define boundaries as mental, physical, emotional, cultural, and spiritual. It is basic as treating people as the way you want to be treated. However, as an ally, I need to understand that I don't get to start this relationship with a blank slate. I have a responsibility in this digital, digital age to educate myself on the history that leads us up to this point in time. Most of the people in my generation learn more about European explorers in schools than the treaties or the first peoples of this land. I need to know how boundaries have been crossed. Similar to environmental climate concerns, I just don't get to ignore the pollution that's happened in the past. We have an enormous environmental mess on our hands and each of us has the responsibility to leave the earth better than how we found it for our children. As an ally, I feel I have a responsibility to improve the relationship that we were betrayed. Part of understanding the boundaries that exist today is sitting in the heartbreaking discomfort of the boundaries disrespected in the past. To ground myself in compassion, I ask myself these kinds of questions and let the painful reality of these historical horrors shape, change, and motivate me to do better. How would I feel if somebody took my five-year-old child away from me to live in an institution kilometers from where I live? How would I feel if my child was routinely abused and mistreated by the adults that were entrusted in their care? How would I feel if I were forcefully relocated to a different place? How would I feel if it was illegal for me to practice my culture and traditional ceremonies? How would I feel if someone denied me the right to vote on decisions affecting land owned by my ancestors for a millennia? How would I feel if it was illegal for me to leave my community? How would I feel if I couldn't get clean access drinking water in my community? How would I feel if someone didn't listen to my medical concerns in a hospital simply because of who I am and what I look like? How would I feel if one of my family members went missing and no one responded or made the effort to find them? How would I feel if other people profited from appropriating my culture? Colonial society has disrespected all of these basic human rights boundaries repeatedly for generations. These boundaries are all becoming clearer and more enforced as the social conversation continues. If you were ever uncertain about boundaries, educate yourself. Take Indigenous Cultural Safety course or an Indigenous Canada course. Read Indigenous authors. Listen to Indigenous journalists on the CBC and APTN. Do not sit comfortably in ignorance and claim Indigenous issues weren't taught in school and wait for someone to educate you. Every adult living on this land is responsible for knowing and understanding basic human rights and respect those boundaries. Other aspect of building trust is being reliable. Being an ally every time, no exceptions. 
This means that if somebody wants to be an ally, they can't just be an ally in a board meeting and remain silent when they hear racist jokes at a friend's party. Allies need to identify as allies all the time and in every situation, including Facebook. This is challenging. I've unfriended several people over inappropriate images and attempts at humor. My examples we see are just a small sliver of the ingrained prejudice that still exists in today's world. As heartbreaking as these situations are, they are also rich opportunities to educate people that don't understand First Nation, Inuit, and Métis history in Canada. I try to respond to the conversation tenderly, kindly, and generously. For example, I know you're just trying to be funny here, but this message perpetuates very harmful stereotypes of Indigenous people. This image is harmful because it doesn't accurately portray the diverse, wise, resilient, and wonderful Indigenous communities across Canada. We are all human. No one can get it right 100% of the time. Allies need to hold themselves and other allies accountable for when they have overstepped um, do, 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 boundaries or fell short on understanding white settler privilege. This could mean using correct language or forgetting uh, to acknowledge traditional territories. One embarrassing mistake I made 17 years ago at my first powwow was calling regalia a costume. I didn't understand the profound difference between putting something on to pretend you're something you're not, costume, and wearing traditional outfits, regalia, that connect Indigenous people with a cultural heritage and spiritual practice. I apologized immediately and haven't made that mistake again. The important thing is to remember is allies need to acknowledge their mistakes and learn from it and grow from it. Maya Angelou said, do the best you can until you know better, and that's when you know better, do better. A strong ally will use their white settler privilege as an amplifier to create safer spaces for their Indigenous friends and partners. For example, I take it upon myself to call out racist jokes and not leave the work up to my Indigenous friends and family. The responsibility of education and enlightenment doesn't fall exclusively on Indigenous peoples. We all share the responsibility. Accountability is being willing to answer challenging questions about what brings you into the role of identifying yourself as an ally. Your motivations need to be transparent. Far too often in Canadian history, people show up to Indigenous spaces, claim the best of intentions, and the result, massive widespread cultural genocide, like Indian residential schools, Indian hospitals, starlight tours, missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls in two-spirit, the 60s scoop, the list goes on and on. This historical shame is a reality that every Canadian now faces. Ask yourself, how do you show accountability to that history? What do you do to rebuild relationships that have decayed over time? You can think of the vault like a trust bank account. Your deposits are developing strong relationships based on trust, but withdrawals occur when you violate trust. Betrayal includes ignoring opportunities to build trust. Canada's historic relationship with Indigenous people has brought the nation-to-nation trust bank to an all-time low with a deficit incurring from centuries of systemic exploitation and racism. Although modern settlers are not directly responsible for the entire history, the goal as an ally is to focus on your personal trust bank and prevent your balance from ever dropping. Trust in action is rooted in respecting boundaries and is slowly built over time in small acts of kindness. If someone shares Indigenous stories, customs, or traditions with allies, that information or experience is a gift 
It does not give you permission to share or replicate the gift, especially for profit or for mass production. It does not become yours because somebody has shared it with you. Respect the cultural customs, traditions, and histories that belong to Indigenous peoples. Indigenous knowledge has always and always will belong to Indigenous peoples. Copying, reframing, or restructuring any part for profit for or convenience is a boundary that should never be crossed. For example, if you think going into somebody's house and they share a cup of tea with you, in this situation, do you take home the cup? No. Would you tell others about the tea and then try to pass it off as yours? Nope. Now, how about stealing their tea and starting a tea company for your own profit? Of course not. You leave with honor and privilege of sharing that experience and thankful to the person who shared it with you. As an ally, it is also important to respect if someone does not want to welcome you into their circles. They are under no obligation to invite you into their community. If someone invites you, always treat it as one of the highest honors with gratitude and humility. We build trust daily through every action and reaction, and you don't gain trust by demanding or stealing a teacup. Integrity permeates your thoughts, words, and actions. It does not happen instantly, but cooperating out of integrity every day is a critical part of being an ally. Allies need to be authentic in expressing their goals and vision in the current social climate. Integrity is not a destination. It is a continuous and daily effort. Integrity is choosing courage over comfort, prioritizing what's right over what's fun, fast, and easy, practicing, not just professing your values. Indigenous cultures are different, not inferior. They vary across North America, all strong and resilient, and have endured generations of institutional judgment and racism. It is the job of everyone. It is everyone's job to fight systems of oppression, discrimination, prejudice, and mainstream stereotypes whenever opportunities rise. I want to take a moment here to caution against color blindness. We are not all the same. We do not all have the same opportunities. This philosophy disregards historical context and current states. It's not just on it's just not honest. If you don't recognize privilege and what that means, I encourage you to take this how privileged are you test. We need to get comfortable being uncomfortable and talking about differences. Historical racism and discrimination has impacted the present and caused the prevailing inequalities we face together as a society. Non-judgment grows from compassion, understanding, and empathy. It is not your place to judge, make suggestions, observations, and add opinions. The role of an ally is a supporting role, not a leading one. Non-judgment means that even if you don't agree with something, respect that opinion and perspective and try to approach understanding it with respectful curiosity. A great example of here is how the mainstream population might view homeless individuals. The common judgment is that the homeless results from poor life decisions. However, statistically reveal that homelessness is more commonly a result of childhood trauma and mental health. Be generous with your assumptions about people, including yourself. The social structure of Western society has been imbalanced for that long, too. Part of reconciliation is trying to create 
balance within the current unjust systems that exist because of long histories of trauma, prejudice, and systemic racism against Indigenous people. True allies see the reconciliation conversation as an opportunity to educate and encourage humanity to do better. They see an opportunity to, with strong, unwavering dedication, use the framework of restitution to make the world a better place for everyone. It's examining the question, what am I doing to make things right? To learn from the past, we start listening, reading, and hearing with open hearts, then use that wisdom gained as a compass to direct the decisions we make every day. Education is one of the most important keys to a generous worldview, because generosity comes from understanding. I call on all non-Indigenous Canadians to listen and continue to educate themselves on true Canadian history. If you're wondering where to begin, reconciliation projects are actively happening across Canada and you can get involved. In the meantime, there is a plethora of art, movies, books, and music you can engage with to better understand Indigenous perspectives in Canada, both from a historical and contemporary standpoint. Look for opportunities to educate yourself and, when appropriate, ask questions, attend events, and become more involved in the activities that are already going on around you. We've listed a few places to start at the bottom of this article in the additional resources section. To reiterate, we build trust by respecting boundaries, being reliable and accountable, respecting the trust vault, including integrity, showing non-judgment, and being generous with your assumptions. By building trust in small acts of kindness, there is no shortage of building trust. If you are ever in doubt, educate yourself, ask questions, and seek answers from the right people, whether it's Indigenous peoples or respected allies within the communities. True allies will see the value in relationship building by authentic gaining and building trust. And then they list um, quite a few resources. And this was written by Robin Ward, and Robin with a Y. Robin is the director of the people operations at Anipski and is working at Anipski since 2003. She has a background in psychology, art therapy, and counseling. She's an artist, author, and a volunteer counselor for the Esquimalt Neighborhood House. Robin has Ukrainian and European ancestry and was born in Winnipeg in Treaty 1 territory. She is grateful to work and live with her family on Lukwinigan territory in Victoria, BC. So yeah, one of my favorite articles. I will probably reference that for the rest of my life. So with that, um, for those who listen to my show regularly, you know that I usually go into creating boundaries into, um, you know, what to do if you see marginalization. And because I have lots of other episodes, I (laughs) encourage you to listen to them and know how to be a good, um, person in a situation where you see basically bullying. And uh, if you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, call the First Nation Inuit and uh, Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll free and is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week to non-Indigenous. Feel free to call your uh, distress line in your area. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian roots and stepping up to teach me to be a proud Calgarian. It's through you. I am a proud second generation Calgarian. 
Thank you to my husband, Darcy, for producing and editing this show. On top of being my husband, childhood friend, father to our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road, he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, who we are blessed to learn from daily, I am honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a stronger, better person. Thanks again to all who donate to my Patreon account, uh, Native Calgarian. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments and your questions. You are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And a double shout out to my Patreon accounts for being able to uh, have us donate $200 to the Indigenous Games. So with that, I will say to all of those Calgary rabbits, you're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. Thank you for listening.